like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Hello, welcome back. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Red Burn on the board. SP Futures up 36. Yeah, 36. Nasdaq Futures up 135. We've got uh, a lot of earnings coming out this week, and everybody's somewhat giddy today. We're not sure why, but they are. Uh, again, we got to keep asking ourselves for these little rallies. Just, just yet another bear market rally, or are they for real? And nobody ever really knows that until we see what happens. Do we have Mr. Greg? Hey, Chief. How's it going? Oh, buddy. How are you? All right. What's the... Even better now that the uh, spiders are up, what, 35 or 36 pre-market? Yeah, I think we're still a little long, but we don't even go too much further without being able to do a roll or two here. We had a good week last week with a couple of repair strategies, but we kind of... We rolled the call to today, so we don't really need it to go too crazy here until we get another roll or two. What do you make of all this? We, uh, something about dead counts? Dead, or excuse me, something about dead cats? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting to try and figure out exactly where we are here. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, of, of course, everybody is trying to get back into the crazy days of yesteryear and trade, you know, the last decade, but I don't know if they're going to get away with that. we got a rally in crypto today, and I don't, you know, I was reading something this weekend about uh, some companies from how many fifty billion to one hundred sixty-seven million, but they're okay. They got enough cash to go forward. I mean, really, uh, you know, there's people you know, hanging out all over the place. But uh, I just uh, well, we're down what twenty percent or so for the year. Yeah, you know, but yeah. in, in some of the stuff, I mean, long it, way to go for that. Well, you know, you you, you look at it and you say, okay, uh, and I, I remember the two thousand fiasco when the the queues were over 100, went down to 20. Now, I don't know, you know, you know, what's the model? Is it is it is it a stock that goes down 20% and bounces back up, and is it highs by the end of the year, or is it, you know, Netflix, which was, what are they, 600, and now they're 191, come back to, and nobody's even thinking that 600 is a, pro, you know, you know, what are we talking? Are these things that overpriced? So many stocks. I mean, look at Facebook, or now Meta. I mean, they're not. Not anybody's even thinking it's going back to where it was. I mean, it's depends. Welcome on, to the metaverse. Yeah, welcome to the metaverse. But, but you know, we have a situation where we're, we're you know we're obviously very concerned that the wealth. I mean, and you sent a uh, a letter or a uh, not a letter a, a letter, but a screenshot of uh, the wealth versus yes and or the uh, performance of GDP, right? Oh yeah, big spread between those two. And that's basically because of last year or two's market. I mean, we pushed. I mean, if you look at the S and P. Well, the summary says that who haven't seen it, um, it started around what ninety five or ninety six. The yeah, GDP and 
and the uh, wealth growth was pretty much in line from the 50s all the way up until right right around 2000. Right. And then it started to diverge, and it takes you through the dot-com bubble, the housing bubble, it got worse, and then what they call the QE forever bubble, 2015, 2016. And then they also call it the pandemic bubble. So from Bernanke to Yellen to Powell, you get this bigger spread of, uh, call it household plus net worth, just diverges from this uh, U.S. GDP measurement. So the GDP measurement is lower, and this household wealth just keeps going up. And there's a correlation, or at least they try to imply there's a giant correlation between those Fed shares and the spread between the productivity and the actual wealth. Well, it, and it comes down to it. It, it really, uh, well, I, I could you, you could force me to get my my page up here, but when you start pouring money into the economy, it goes to few people, and it goes into this wealth bubble. And and one percent of the population owns what ninety percent of the assets, or some some crazy number like that. So whenever you pump assets up, even when you pump houses up. You're talking about owners of houses versus people that don't, versus people that rent. I mean, what do you suppose in the last... Yeah, and that's with lowering interest rates, too. So as you compound or as you raise interest rates, you'd assume that probably gets worse because um, just the compounding effect and that giant uh, head start. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think the people who run the stuff, all they know is that the people that they, they seem to be... Uh, on the other end of their strings, if those people make money, it's a it's a good deal. And you can even you can even talk about it in the business news. I mean, there are constantly corporations on there, and there are people. It's not there's nobody concerned. I mean, the idea that somebody uh, you know makes a hundred hours a week, lives on eighty, and puts twenty in the bank, and gets no money for it for a decade. I mean, it's insane. I mean, the asset bubble. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've been listening to. Hell, snarled all this whole idea that you know some percentage of the population can borrow at negative interest rates and other people can't. And nothing, nothing diverges wealth more than that. But the, the idea is, how can wealth outstrip the GDP? Because because the only way you can do that, I mean, when I was, uh, well, even when I was your age or younger, uh, <coughs> I mean, wealth was really making a hundred bucks a week, you know, and living on eighty and saving twenty. But now it has nothing to do with that. I mean, there are some people who obviously got you know big PPP chunks or something like that. Uh, but but the uh, uh, but the uh, still the idea is, well, oh, Joe's got a lot of dough. What would Joe do? Well, Joe put it in Apple, or Joe put it in Netflix before it crashed, or Joe put it in Nvidia before it crashed, or something, or or Joe bought four houses instead of instead of one. I mean, it's all it's all this this. Uh, is asset wealth bubble mostly in the market until or maybe maybe you get into Congress and trade on some inside information. Yeah, you know I don't what I don't understand how how is it? That, I mean I I was talking to the uh, that different set of rules like you talked about. But I, I don't I don't see how people put up with it. And I, and I don't. First of all, I've been listening. Well, I haven't listened, to it, but I've been hearing people talk about it constantly. The January sixth stuff, and, and and we don't want anything like that here. I mean, we don't want those. That, that's not how you express yourself. But we have certain people <coughs> basically said they're above the rules, and I don't know what. I mean, certainly, <laughs> sure as hell, I want to see it in my lifetime. But 
I don't know if you take that to the extreme, and and and, and all of a sudden people that are up top, the the, the preference well, we already they, have that. We already have that, but the preference they have is yeah. they they decide who they're going to enforce the rules on, and basically it's not them. So someplace somewhere, if that gets to an extreme, the rest of the people got to find another way to enforce the rules, and. I think in this country you're supposed to be able to do it through the ballot box, but I don't see that happening at all. Do you? I mean, I don't. Well, in the in terms of trading, the rules are different. They're not. <laughs> they are allowed to insider trade, and most recently, you'd see the you know uh, the Speaker of the House, <laughs> the husband, went and bought uh, five million dollars worth of Nvidia, and now they're pushing the uh, semiconductor bill or whatever it is. Know, that's going to be a nice win, but that's perfectly legal, and we refuse to, to be consistent on that with ourselves. Versus, well, I mean, you say we say legal; those people say it's legal. None of us. No, it is legal. Well, I understand <laughs> that, but I'm and we don't do anything about it. So we're too lazy or dumb, whichever, to do anything about that. So why wouldn't they have a different set of rules if they can? But I mean the. The president could come out tomorrow, and Joe Biden wouldn't do it, or no, hopefully nobody would, and say it's legal for him to shoot people, but <laughs> he can say that. I mean, you can't, how, how is it that anybody in the FCC with any kind of conscience can prosecute an insider trading case when they know what Congress is doing? Because it's legal. They can do that. It's, it's allowed. Well, I, I get so that why part, would but... they waste but their time? The, the difference between... Uh, first of all, I never accuse you of this, but of younger people versus older people, this this synonym between being legal and right in my generation never flew. And, and now it seems like, oh yeah, it's it's legal for me to like take your car. I don't care if it's legal. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean, they 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 can. Well, really, what really means it's it's not. How can I how can I phrase this? Disagree, please. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that they've decided that for them they're not going to enforce it because everybody knows it's not quote legal because anything the SEC anything anything anybody even dreams of case law and everything else it's not it, it, it doesn't it doesn't fly you know what I'm saying they've just decided for them they're not going to enforce it so keep so go ahead yeah I'm still not sure where I land on that because really when when they can do it and it's outlined in the law, and we don't do anything about it, you know, that becomes an us problem, not a their problem. They're just, you know, going going through the motions. And if that, may, if that makes you an extra $100 million, well, but, so great. But I guess what I'm saying is, the uh, if you're the police chief, and you own two bars, and you say, my bars get to stay open until 5 o'clock because I'm not going to bother those bars. And by the way, we're going to pass an ordinance that says if you're the police chief, you get to open bars and stay out later. I guess you can make it legal, but it's it's not by anybody's stretch. You, you know, you got to be got to be careful, Greg, about not you, but I mean the the, the worldwide universal you. That democracy doesn't fall down. And I say this too much. To three wolves and one hen on a board, voting what they have for dinner. I mean. <laughs> And, and democracy can get there if you let it. There has to be an overriding morality to the place, and, and if we lose it, 
The democracy doesn't mean crap, in my opinion. I mean, that's just one man's opinion, but we, you can say everybody else can't insider trade except for Congress. I guess you can say that, but, I mean, really? You know what I'm saying? No, everybody else cannot inter- That's what I'm saying. Can't, cannot. Trade but, on inside information. But, but yeah. you can't. I mean, it's a little, it's a little out there. That's the ultimate expression of freedom. I mean, they have inside information, and they can trade on it. That's too, that's too America for me, at least. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I guess one of the questions I should have, and I didn't want to, well, I don't know if she didn't answer it, but when Karen was on, and she lost the primary, so uh, I guess it would have been a moot, a moot point. Now she can tell you what she really thinks. Uh, she was pretty straightforward. But I get one thing I didn't ask her. I didn't ask her is if you get in, could you possibly vote for Nancy Pelosi? I mean, what what people are seeing here, and I, I'm seeing, I mean, I'm not a you know a civics monger or anything like if that. If you say no to that, you immediately lose funding or, or yeah. burn bridges. That you, you can't say no to that. But how does I mean, do, do these nobody? But I mean, there isn't anybody. I can't imagine anybody that I know voting for for dog catcher for Pelosi, McConnell, Schumer, any of those people. And yet they, they, the people we elect somehow put them there. Now the question is why? The path of least resistance. But I guess, but, but you know, I, 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 I think that the Congress is very dysfunctional. And I think, uh, I mean, I really do. I know Kevin's dead set against it because who knows what would come out looking like. But I think we need a, a constitutional convention at every level, city, state, and, and federal. Now, obviously the Constitution has... Uh, tremendous amounts of simplicity, brevity, common sense to it. I don't really want to throw it out, but it sure seems like, to me, it's not working. And somehow or another, the the, the power in the in the House, in the Senate, especially in the House, is with it's with ten people. It's it's not the way it was designed with four hundred thirty five people, where we send good seems people. Seems like the rest of the world disagrees with you, though. So, um, I mean, the dollar prices, the S and P prices, and all the growth that we've had here—that's come directly at the expense of probably, I want to say, what a few other nations. I mean, all we do is everybody wants the dollars, everybody wants the the stocks. So, I'm not sure how dysfunctional it is in their eyes, especially with net immigration, uh, or if you let it, net immigration would be through the roof. Um. Okay, but but that doesn't mean they're kind of two separate. You know, it's like saying it's, you, you're, you're turning the Trump on me. The market's going up. I must be doing a great job. Okay, I guess uh, <laughs> those are loosely correlated. I would not say causal. Well, I'm saying right now. I mean, the idea that we're that we're doing better than the other countries, I mean, because our interest rates are a little higher, I mean, it's really what causes the dollar to move up, right? I mean, it's a because people are putting money here overnight, they want to buy dollars. But really, if you if you do the flip side, do the for reverse. For some transit. reason, the people like here for living, and they like here for savings. So, for well, I mean, reason. but that doesn't. I would I would hope that our standard, if, if I elected you to be the mayor, you wouldn't say, "Oh God, Chicago we had forty eight murders last night." But guess what? Guess what, chumps? It's better than Bogota. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's that. I mean, I mean, who? That's the, that's the thing. That's that's the beauty. Why of would you change if it's got if it's got uh, if it's already pretty good? It's especially good for you, and it's especially good for um, your 
campaign contributions. There's no reason. I, I get that. But what did, what did uh, Sean Connery and say in Hunt for Red October? A little revolution every now and then is a good thing. I mean, somehow or another, we, we've, we've, we've got to shake this up. I mean, we have, you know, the uh, in Illinois, you, you shouldn't be able to, I guess what I'm saying, the, the, the worst thing that happens, and, I, and, I, and I've seen this, you probably have too, and you weren't there as much, as long as I was on the CBOE and was on the board, the selective enforcement of rules is what, is what takes down, I think, a lot of society, societies. The idea that no argument for me with that one because that's exactly what we're seeing and it keeps getting worse in terms of opinion. So yeah, I mean I don't. I mean how how, you, how we we're going to uh, you know we're, we're going to put Michael Madigan in jail, but not Commonwealth Edison. You know how does that work? One's got more pull now. Yeah, well I'm saying that. I mean you we, we, you can't hit what well, the. The exchanges. I'll make. I'll make a uh, somewhat of a, con- a connection here, which I probably shouldn't. But you, know, you might agree. You may not. When you when you started to have competitive listing of stocks, all right. I guess in some ways it was a good thing, but for the customer, it really wasn't a good thing because all of a sudden you had two or three different places where people could do trades and so forth. But if 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 the distribution system, meaning one of the major firms or even one of the smaller firms, it usually was a major firm, started breaking the rules, and if you enforced them at your place, they would flat out tell you right to your face, if you do that, I'm taking all my business somewhere else. Which isn't exactly the way things ought to yeah, be. Yeah, that's what I call going full America. Yeah. You go full Ayn Rand and go... Um, individualism and at win at all costs and the government isn't going to interfere that's I think kind of what we've experienced. Well I, I think on the one hand you have uh, I, I, I don't know how you do this Greg and it's, 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 my, it's the reason why I think we need a, a new constitutional convention is I don't know how you do this but somehow someplace back in the uh, when the guys wrote the constitution I'm not going to be a Scalia and tell you that I, I was sitting there and so forth but, I mean, you can read the Federalist Papers, which I never have, and they talk about what guys debated before they came out with the final document. It's some kind of idea, but I would say that if, if you if you drop back into that room, if you could somehow do that, and say, here's what's happening today, that this corporation can influence, like, all these people. Like, there's there's no way on earth that... It, that uh, and it, like, I was at one of... Uh, actually, it was a fundraiser for Senator Durkin, not Durbin, the Republican guy who was the head... Uh, Republican dude in the in the uh, state state senator. Guess what? They were kind of looked at as some lobbyists at the dinner, paying up money. So I, I don't see how you can how people can curry favor with these guys and turn around and, and enforce the law. Well, it all comes down to that balance of powers. They thought it was enough. Yeah. And it turns out, um, you know, with that financial incentive, you can kind of weave them all together, and you would probably have to either update the ethics or update the methods in order to get either people to pay attention to this, or blow up the system. Well, I mean, if you were to go back into that room and pull up, I assume they had blackboards in those days, if you pull up blackboards and chalk and said, we're going to tell you guys about some new invention. Hmm, what's that? It's something called a corporation. What the hell? What the hell is a corporation? Well, it's like a, it's like a made-up person 
and they last because we're talking about people that wrote something. I'm just I, I believe this to be fact. What that's what they were thinking. I'm, not, I'm like I said. I'm not one of these right wingers that can tell you what they were thinking. I mean, I, but what I think they did know is what did the average person live to? Forty five, fifty, maybe. In those days, I think that was more to do with infant mortality. Well, but I'm saying rather than actual age. But a uh, a uh, Greg Pappas from Carolina who gets into Congress when he's 35, 40, even if you're a, a big swing and bleep in Carolina, the chances of you in your 10 or 15 years left in life, maybe maybe 20, of you being able to have enough money to be able to travel and influence an election in, all, in say, New Hampshire are really, really slim. And it's not something I don't think they even thought about. Because why would they? I mean, why, why would you even think about that? Because you couldn't get from Carolina to New Hampshire. There were no trains. There were no plane. I mean, no train. There weren't even roads, for God's sake, of any sort of consequence. So why would, if you were to say to these guys, well, now these corporations never die. And they're here year after year. That's why we're going we're to have the big discussion this week about term limits. And I, everybody thinks, why, why am I against term limits? I'm not against them, okay? I'm not against them at all. I'm against them because they're no solution. And and if we and if we spend all this energy in passing them on a federal level, and then of course we grandfather the people that are already in. So I might not be here twenty years from now <laughs> or thirty years from now. I'm saying I probably won't be here thirty thirty years from now. I won't be here and I, and I could I'll laugh from my grave and say, I told you so. See, you waited twenty five years thinking this was gonna work and it won't because we saw what happened in, with Jesse Jackson, or kid spot, going against. All would happen instead of all the money going to Pelosi, they'll just work it down the chain. They already gave, the, the crypto people already gave Jackson's kid supposedly a million bucks. It, it just goes further down. The influence, I mean, if, 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 you, if you told me, if I was one of these guys, if I was... What would happen, what would happen, Chief, if you called the Constitutional Convention? Wouldn't the same thing just happen all over again? I mean, the people's opinions wouldn't, haven't changed, really. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm saying that the I think the the weaknesses in there are the influence and the money and the fact that corporations don't die. Now, how you deal with that? I don't know. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not positive, but I mean, you somehow. I mean, you and I can't over a period of decades influence Congress, but Pfizer can. They give money to everybody. As a matter of fact, I read some stuff a few months ago. We talked about it on the air that. Uh, they're now they're now pushing money down to state legislatures and people who might be congressmen. I mean, you know, for all the uh, the crap that the Wall Street bets community and stuff like that have taken, I do think that some of their stuff about um, the small guy versus the big guy, the advantage versus the disadvantage in terms of the trades and shorts and all that kind of stuff, they they might be onto something, and they're doing it through humor and through other stuff, which is which is, I guess, a new type of way to uh, argue. But when you think about what's going to get done, I mean, I don't know how to change people's minds. In the low voter turnout, I mean, there's nothing you can really do besides tell the tell people who aren't voting what's actually going on. And, you know, getting them to care about that is probably hard well, to do, but I think that's really the only way. I mean, if you, uh, I don't know what district you're in, uh, in my district, you had, you had to force yourself to walk down the block. 
I'm in the 20th police district. That's what I know. <laughs> well, I mean, did you vote? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I take that as a no. So you don't know who's no. your representative, at least. Do you even know that? I know who the alderman is, Osterman. Well, you're probably still in Quigley's district, I would think. Either Quigley or Danny Davis. Shikowsky? Um, but I'm saying you walk down a block. I mean, who are these people? All the judges that somehow got money from somebody. I mean, who do they owe? I mean, I, I don't know where any of those people are. I mean, I mean, the, the, the state senator representative, they're from the west side. They're not from my district. I mean, what? I guess that's your constitutional right and you should go, but you're not, you're not solving anything by going down a block. I mean, who's getting who? I mean, I, you know, whatever. Well, take care of yourself, bud. I will see you. SB Futures down 41. Nasdaq Futures up 152. Nice little rally going. I'll be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck, get Luckbox. 
at lockboxmagazine.com slash jocks. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Long walk based Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures up 40 now. NASDAQ futures up a 149. We've got Goldman Sachs up 11 as a crush expectations on bond trading results. Gee, trading government bonds ahead <laughs> of the government. God love us. God love us. Dow, Dow Futures up 322, so we've got a big start to today. Uh, Bank of America came out with good results as well, but actually the stock is now down a dime, which is a little odd, but they're trading down 10 cents, 32.15. Um, let's see, over in Europe, we've got DAX up 175, 1.4%. FTSE up 91, 1.3%. Uh, CAC around up 93, 1.6, so they're leading the pack over there. We're in Asia, Nikkei up 145.5%, Shanghai up 50, 1.5%, Hang Seng up 548, up 2.7 as they were just down like this much last Friday. Uh, we're not sure exactly why all that is, but we are definitely. We're in, one day she loves me, one day she loves me not in the market, but it's it's really something. It's in the 1 and 2% range, which... For this length of time, I don't think I've ever seen a market. It's like started in 1980, for God's sake. Uh, yet on Friday, we had the Dow up 658, S&P up 72, NASDAQ up 201. So Friday was a, a huge day to bring us to a, an up week. Uh, I think it might still be down for the month, but we're, we're certainly gaining on it. Uh, bonds up two basis points, 2.95. The bond up 7 cents, 1.19. Uh, Japan, 0.23. That's unchanged. Oil, pretty b- good size move in oil, up 2%, 1.96. Still can't quite make it back to 100 bucks though. 99.55, we're up 238, 103.54. Natural gas up 24 cents, 7.26. So it shot back at least a dollar now in the last week or two. Arbob up seven cents, 3.29. We've got gold up 9.70, 17.13. First bid we've caught in gold in a while. Silver up 15 cents, 18.75. Copper up six cents, 3.30. And we even got a rally in Bitcoin up 1100 bucks to 22,218. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. It's currently Monday, uh, uh, July 18th, 2022, currently 6.36 a.m. I'll get you into sports real quick. In the MLB, Cubs take on Mets, break their losing streak, winning 3-2. White Sox at Twin City, White Sox win 11-0. Diamondbacks away at San Diego Padres, Diamondbacks uh, win 3-1. Now for uh, the golf, the 2022 British Open. Now, Chief, feel free to correct me on this. I'm, I'm no golf expert. Uh, these are our top three players right now as far as uh, 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 over in uh, 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 St. Andrews, Scotland. That's where it's going on. Uh, uh, position one, Cameron Smith with a score of negative 20 and an earnings of $2,500,000. Uh, position two, Cameron Young with a score of negative 19 and an earnings of uh, $1,455,000. Uh, and then third, Rory McElroy from uh, Northern Ireland, the score of negative 18 and a total earnings of 900,300. No, that's 900,000. 
900,000, 33,000. We're close, we're close. We're close. Yeah. Uh, now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently it's cloudy. Uh, a bit humid though. Uh, right now in the, uh, 89% humidity, uh, 69 degrees, a high of 88, and a low of 69. A change of pace in Phoenix. Uh, heavy thunderstorms right now. Uh, 84 degrees, a high of 108, and a low of 84. Traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower, uh, starting at Highway 45 on 88, uh, going to Desplaines Avenue. That's caused by an accident before 9th uh, Avenue, uh, uh, before exit 19B. Light traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Lawrence Avenue. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 31st Street to downtown the Jane Byrne Interchange. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East Roosevelt Road to Ur Randolph Road. And finally, traffic southbound Lakeshore Drive uh, between Michigan Avenue and East Jackson Drive. That's all we got, Chief. Back to you. Um, Johnny, are you with us? I sure am. Good morning, Tom. Did you watch any of the uh, British Open? It was pretty interesting. I didn't, but tell me about it. Well, they, uh, Rory McIlroy started uh, the day with he and this with the guy he was with. Uh, and that guy kind of faded away. And, and Rory had a good day. He shot 70, but this guy, uh, Smith, just kept... Uh, he just kept coming. He kept. He was like six hundred in the back nine. He, he just kept uh, sinking putt after putt, and uh, McElroy was just kind of rimming him, rimming him. Not really exactly that, but he was real close, real close, real close. And and then all of a sudden, he just wasn't there. And uh, I just, you know, when those those uh, courses, if there's not any wind or any bad weather, you know, guys can get, you know, guys can drive some of the greens and so forth. But as long as you stay out of those those uh, kind of crazy uh, park bunkers and stuff, but you know, it, it is it is seriously not. Uh, fairways are all brown. I mean, they don't, they don't water anything. You think they'd get a sprinkler out there for God's sake? That out of 150 years, they'd, it was like the 150th British Open. I, you know, I don't. It's it's like it's like playing out in a. I don't you know, whatever. I mean, it, I know it's it's link style golf and it's all that kind of good stuff. But one of my buddies went over there when we were in college. His dad took him over there, and back then it was like nothing to. Hardly anything to play those courses, and uh, he goes, "God, Marquette Park is 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 is, is better kept up. They don't, they don't do anything. I mean, it's just you know, and but you know, it's it's old style golf, and uh, like a whole bunch of the greens are big, huge expanses, and there's two the green is in two different holes, you know, that type of thing, and it, you know, it's it's interesting, but uh, I mean, this guy just kept coming, kept coming, and uh, the weather was nice, so everybody's. I mean, twenty under is is really something in a, in a British Open course. I mean, if it's if it's crummy weather, those guys are lucky to break par, you know. And then uh, all of a sudden, yesterday they were they were there. But <laughs> to show you, McElroy's he's you know he's Irish, right? Well, from Northern Ireland, of course. One of my years ago, one of my grumpy old Irish guys at the at the Tripoli Tap. He's not Irish. He's from the north, you know. <laughs> I, I think he's probably still Irish, but if he's not Irish Catholic, to Irish people, he's not Irish. But now I guess he could be the other kind too. But so, what do you make of? I sent you that stuff that uh, that Greg uh, uh, sent us, and you know the idea that you know Pelosi's wife all put all that Nvidia before the big vote this week is really something. I mean, how, how, how you know as an attorney, Jen, how did we get here that that the people who are in charge, get to decide who they go after. I, I don't know how you, all of a sudden we have the people enforcing the law are the people that are, are the crooks. Well, it's not just, you know, the, the legislative branch that has this problem. I mean, you look at the ethics, you know, restrictions or investigations, you know, for the judiciary, which, you know, have become, a, I think, 
just as laughable. You know, the, the judges decide when they recuse themselves, um, and they you know take their marching orders from God knows who when they do or when they don't. And you look at the way you know, the cases at the, at the federal circuits are handed out, and the same judges get the same type of case over and over again, and you, everybody knows in advance how the, the decision is going to go. And anybody who you know had a even a, just a cursory knowledge of how a court system should work would think something really stinks here. But but there is no oversight for it. Nobody's ever going to pay a penalty for it. Nobody's ever going to be disbarred. Nobody's ever going to be taken off the bench. And it's the same thing with, with what goes on in Congress. The, 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 the ethics oversight for any of this stuff, once you reach a threshold point, it seems, nobody wants to get involved because you're going to pay a, a, a worse price yourself we're going out on a limb and taking the wrong position on something, wrong being the one that you know doesn't favor the powerful. The, the fact that the Pelosi's, Pelosi's have gotten away with this so many times before, and they're by far not the only ones either. I mean, yeah, the list is long and it's, and it's revolting. Um, well, the group, the, that I, <laughs> the group that I sent you, though, again, is a uh, long-time acquaintance on the floor and listeners of the show sent us that thing. And uh, it was basically it was a list. Now, where you even found it? You know, uh, uh, basically, somebody, somebody, whoever the somebody is or was, compiled a list of uh, returns. And I don't know if this stuff has to be public or what, Jan, but uh, returns of uh, investments of the people in Congress versus the S and P five hundred. And Pelosi was one of the names, but she was like ninth. The first four were Republicans I never heard of. There were like two or three Democrats I never heard of, and then another couple Republicans, and then her. So it's not like what, when when did this when did this all change? You don't, you don't, you don't, it reminds me of it's I don't know. If people are getting to the point where if you've ever driven the Dan Ryan, people can be somewhat normal until one person jumps out and goes 100 miles an hour, then everybody has to follow. If he's getting away with it, I have to. I have to. There's just different kinds of people in the world. I mean, there are, I mean, how I grew up, where if you're kind of cruising along, maybe a little more than the speed limit, and you see a policeman with somebody pull over, you say, well, looks like they're out today, and you slow down. Where other kinds of people, brought up maybe differently, oh, he can't touch me now, and they hit the gas. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what to say, John. I just, I mean, I know what my morality is, and I also know it's, it's getting so far away from the rest of the world, it's, not, it's scary. Well, people have shown that they really don't take to this kind of, you know, instruction, you know, of, you know, leading by example, and if you don't follow this example, then there's you know, another route for you. And this, this used to be just like you described. I mean, if, if you saw somebody pulled over on the Van Ryan, and you did used to see this. You yeah, know, yeah, anymore, one anymore. The police got involved, and the Chicago police opted out because of the... Video poker, you know, BS. But you you would be looking in your rearview mirror and your speedometer for the next you know five or ten miles because you kind of had you felt like well there before the grace of God go I I was probably going too fast or going no you know maybe not you know even faster than the person who just got pulled over I should watch myself maybe I won't be so lucky the next time you were you were aware that you know, there were you know, situations where you could be pulled over and you wouldn't have any defense. And, you know, luckily you would escape this one, but, but you kind of watched what you did. This is what, you know, this kind of, you know, enforcement really does 
you'll give everybody else the sense that you know you're all on the same page here and you all are trying to do the same thing and if you step out of line be careful it's, you know but you know, there's no enforcement of that on the interstates now there's barely any enforcement on the city streets so every, everybody you know I guess it, it always would have been the case if you don't enforce this ever then nobody is going to abide by it and, and you know whose fault is that so I, I can't I can't really complain of you know that, that people do this other than that what are the consequences of doing it none the same thing with having these you know parties in the middle of the intersections at two in the morning where you're doing donuts with you know, souped up cars I mean, how, how does that happen and who, who organizes it and who thinks they can get away with it I guess hundreds of people can <laughs> well you, you have to have a, a commitment to some sort of enforcement and the other people I mean I always thought that uh, I mean I actually was taught this in high school that not not taught it in the sense that that this is how you should act but uh, I remember the, the brothers and Maris saying society at the end always comes up with enough, enough power to protect itself no matter how much they get beaten around like, like good people at some point will say enough is enough and yet this time it doesn't seem like it's happening I mean, even in well, even people feel nobody's listening anymore. You know? Well, and, and they're not. Everybody's fed up. You know, you and I, everybody I talk to is fed up. I can't talk to anybody in my block who is an angrier or more depressed about the situation than I am. But, you know, but how, how do these guys get to be so... You know, is, is it is it... What's the difference? Is, is it the money? But I honestly I honestly believe that, that it's it sort of is. That you, you can't expect... I'm a governor, not, not whoever it is, governor, rep, whatever. You can't expect them to take money from a whole bunch of people and turn around and start going after them. I mean, essentially, from what most people think, that's what got Robert Kennedy killed, and maybe Jan Kennedy. That he let he let Robert go after the mob after the mob supported the brother. Right. I mean, that's what, what a lot yeah, of people I mean, think. Yeah, that was the hubris of, of, a, of an egregious kind. You know, I'm, I, I'm surprised that Joe, old Joe Kennedy. Wasn't smarter than that. Well, he was lying lying there with a stroke. He couldn't even talk, so <laughs> that was a problem. But I mean, but at the time of the election, though, he was perfectly in control. Right, and but the but fact that he thought they could buy West Virginia and then tell you know the, the mob that their time in Cuba was up and they had to like it. I, I just thought, well, that was what did you what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> but how do you? But how do you? Uh, what, what's the middle ground? I mean, I don't I don't know what you know what is what is the I mean, what is what is Jesse Jackson's kid owe the crypto industry, and what is a first year rep can he can he do for the crypto? I mean, it, I don't. I guess if I understood the money better, or, or is there just so much that they they pay everybody in advance in case they might need them, which is I guess is possible. But I mean, it's hard for me to figure it out exactly. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know what at what stage how how big of a colossus would PTI have to be. Before I would just start giving money to everybody, thinking someday I might need these idiots. But I mean, I, I don't even. I mean, I, it's hard for me even to look to look at the. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't even understand the the. Or they they just have so much dough they do it anyway. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I think the politicians who you know, they, and they don't have to be smart ahead of time. They don't have to be even very well connected themselves, but they are schooled and educated by people. Tell them here's here's what it's all about. Here's what my 
you know, gift to you or campaign contribution or your contribution of whatever really means, and here's what I expect from you. And by the way, if you go and play for the other side ever, if this, you're toast. And, you know, the, the, the politicians who survive seem to be the ones who know how to keep on the straight and narrow with the people who are bankrolling them. And the ones who decide, well, I'm going to like, throw some favors around myself and, and you know, help people who aren't on the, the same team as the people who put me here, those people are gone immediately or eventually when they, when they become that uncontrollable. The, the people who make these politicians into the figures they are don't allow that kind of freedom with the people that they bank with. Well, John, where is the... And the perks of flow, Tom, you know, look, at, look at what the Pelosi's or the Clinton's... <laughs> got away with just because of, of who they were able to, you know, stay behind and not stick their necks out and not, you know, get in trouble. Um, it, it's, it's kind of, it isn't that difficult to imagine that, you know, if, if you do what you're told to do and the money is good enough, uh, lots of other things come your way, and including the chance for fantastic sums of money and no ethics oversight whatsoever. Well, I mean, I guess I don't, Part, part of my talking about this too much on the air um, is that I, I, I really, as you know, I, I like I like when I, when I buy something or I, I make a trade, I want to know what I'm getting. Uh, and I, I guess that's way too much of a numbers kind of guy attitude about things. But, I mean, I don't, when when this when I was on the board of the CBOE, uh, we used to have all the c- congressmen and senators we could possibly get. Matter of fact, one young lady that was her, her job was to know that somebody was in town basically get their fanny over for a breakfast or a coffee in the middle mid-morning and if you were on the board you could show up and they would invite you know some of the bigger market makers or whatever guys were on committees so I got invited a few times because I was chairman of a couple of committees and and these guys you'd go there but and you and you gave them a check but but Jan the, the check was you know I, I can't believe I can't remember well it was 20 years ago I mean that's why I can't remember 15 years ago 20 years ago uh I think the check was like five hundred bucks or a thousand. Was the most the SIBO could give these guys. So, and my and my, I never even registered that you could like buy Tom Foley for a thousand bucks, or Phil Graham or something like that. I mean, I just it just wasn't enough. But that was the limit that you that a corporation could give these people. Now, if some of the people in the in the room really liked the guy's politics, I guess they could send him you know thousand bucks or something if they wanted. But nowhere was there is <clears throat> where uh, for the rest of his life, you know, Tom Foley felt he owed the CBOE anything. I mean, it it seemed like it was done. Whatever the rules were, if you played by them, I I thought they were pretty much okay. I mean, it defrayed the cost of the guy's trip getting here and his hotel room and whatever else. But it wasn't. It didn't. I don't think you bought anybody for that. And all of a sudden now, it seems like these massive donations people are making somehow. Are they just all getting around the rules and then they, they won't be enforced because the people that are supposed to enforce them are the people doing the same thing? But how, how does how do how do these guys? I mean, how does somebody give Jesse Jackson's kid a million bucks or whatever if, if it really happened? I mean, uh, how, 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 how do you get from the thousand dollars for for a sitting senator to come sit and have a cup of coffee with you in the morning to a, to a million bucks? How, what is what is how does how do you get from A to B? Well, it's clearly you know this is. You're gaining access. You're, you're getting at least the illusion that your viewpoint counts with this person now, and that you can pick up the phone and call this person. No, no I'm saying, but Jan, how, if you can, I mean, maybe you can't. 
because it's a how how did the is the law changed that much that I can give anybody anything I want now? Is that the Supreme Court decision? Well, this is the Citizens United. I mean, I I, I really think that the, the the average the voters, you know, the ones who do letter writing campaigns or anything like that, are are kidding themselves that they think they have much power anymore. So you're you're they saying that if, after Citizens United, if Tom Foley, one of the one of the one of the uh, guys I remember the most, even though we had all kinds of them, uh, when he came through today, the CBOE could give him a million bucks, not a thousand. Yeah. Really? Okay, so well, that, that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, duh. Yeah. Chief, duh. The, thing, the thing is, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like when I was, you know, in the union, and you know, on the executive council of the union, and there were, you know, questions would come up about do, do we contribute whatever money we have to, you know, candidates in local elections? Do we want to go along with the umbrella, you know, union above us to, to contribute to certain political candidates? I always felt that. Yeah, you might have thought that if you you know wrote a check to so and so and it was within the legal limits that this gave you some kind of priority on that person's Rolodex. But all it really did was present prevent you from being on some kind of enemies list because if you didn't write the check, there would be a phone call. Where's the check? And if you didn't write a check, you were you know cast into the exterior darkness the next time around. You would and they would actively work against you. And I'm just not speaking in terms of, of a local union, but any sort of interest group where if you get dependent on their money and all of a sudden it stops, then, then the vendetta starts. And you're, you're going to destroy that that much because you now see that they're no longer behind you. You assume they're working against you. And this is, you know, this is the vindictiveness that, that you can see happening in, uh, in Congress on a, just an unbelievable scale. The, the, the dirtiness behind undoing and, you know, Replacing, throwing pieces of legislation to people who have no chance to read it, and then signing up for God knows what, and it's a way of punishing people for trying to do, you know, a job that a representative government requires you to do. But I, I seem to recall, and again, boys, to show my age, that if you wanted to mount, I'll use, say, a campaign like that, given the old limits, if I was the, the chairman of the CBO. Okay, I would I would say that okay, we re- we really want to support Matt Byrne, boy. He, whatever we want to do, he's you know he's everything we've done. He's wanted voters for us, and he really knows the industry and blah blah blah. Well, I thank you for your support. Yeah, thank you for your support. <laughs> I, I think what you I would, my vote, Matt. but I think what I've had to do in those days, I would have to go in if I was Duke Chapman or Bill Bratsky, I would have to say, okay, everybody on the board, we really think that one of the key things for this institution, this industry is for Matt Byrne to get back in because he's the chairman of the finance committee or whatever the hell he is or something or something. And by the way, he, he understands options, he understands this and blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's not, not doesn't want to take away options in IRA. I'm going I'm to encourage everybody in this room to send the maximum. Okay, and maybe next year we'll raise the board stipend from whatever it was, $1,000 a meeting to $1,200 a meeting or something to cover everybody for it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a letter out to the members and say this guy's candidacy is very important to us. I'm going to encourage everybody on the floor, especially the committee chairman, or maybe even have the committee chairman say something like, but you, you had a, you had to mount somewhat of a campaign to get a whole bunch of people. I seem to recall that's what you had to do back in, and, and maybe maybe you could buy a commercial or the the uh, options in OCC, the Options Clearing Corp, could buy a commercial for, for Matt or something like that. 
But you, you couldn't just write a million dollar check. I mean, now you're saying no. you can just write whatever you want. And look what we got. Yeah, look what we got. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a problem because I mean, uh, you know, to be perfectly blunt about my heritage, uh, my Italian side. I mean, my uncles. Uh, one of them was a policeman, and he was in a he was undercover in Cicero and took down some vice people and so forth. But you know, he, so having done that, he knew every you know every gangster around. And uh, one day he said, "Yeah, I'm going to lunch with this guy." <clears throat> and I go, "Alice, isn't that guy a gangster?" Oh yeah, <laughs> that's okay. We just have, we just have lunch. And I I go, uh, <clears throat> I said, "Well," <laughs> he says, "Well, hey, your grandfather told me." These guys are all over the place. Just never take a dime from them, and everything's fine. And once you get in, so but once you get into that group, today's people not not know that if somebody gives you money, they own you. Right, but you'll never get out of that group. They own you. You know, you can't just drop out. But how do you mean? I know on the trading floor, and I keep making this alliteration. And in, the, in my industry, you 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 cannot as an industry, as a country, as a people. You can't get to the point where your your enforcement is so sloppy or so misguided to where you only go after people you don't like. Uh, where if you're not, you can't get to the point where if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And I and I think we're really there, virtually in, in many many areas. <clears throat> Clearly, in antitrust, you, that's the case, and in, in, uh, in a lot of other. I mean, it seems like a few other in my in my industry. There's a lot of that going on too with the payment for overflow and everything else. And I you know I refuse to do that. And, and, and you know, to be honest, it's hurt me, which it should well, never do. The, the you know the, the the selectiveness that you were talking about before, and, and what really stirs up, you know, people's itch for regulation or punishment or adjudication, is is become so laughable that you have things like the January sixth commission now, that you know gobble up all this airtime and news pundits and you know just blathering nonstop. And what it really shows to me is that this is just a, a massive distraction from the things that they don't want you to be thinking about and attributing to the very people who are sitting up there telling us, you know, who should be allowed to be, you know, a candidate for president and who shouldn't. And this kind of selectivity is is bad for the whole process because it shows that when when there's a desire to humiliate, you know, a whole block of voters who felt one way about what happened in 2020, and to pummel them with it. Do they really think this has the kind of effect they want? Does this make people respect this process more? It's, it's just, it's thuggery to me, and, you know, they're going to end up paying a huge political price. Liz Cheney, Kinziger, they're already, you know, being ushered out of the room practically, and they don't seem to care. They, they've lost all sense of proportion on how this kind of behavior strikes the average person, whatever you thought about the 2020 election, I think it's really starting to smell in a lot of people's nostrils. Well, it comes out to, uh, and we'll talk about it after the break, it comes down to uses of resource, you know, of resources, and uh, and who gets to do what. Right, using taxpayer money for yeah. media consultants and the ABC, you know, executive brought back in, and these, these televised, you know, star chamber type things that are not even hearings by any stretch of the definition. And they, they just assault people with this, and the media gives them as much time, and you know, all the networks run the same stuff over and over again and talk about it endlessly afterwards. I think the average person has just had it. Well, that's the beauty of it. I watched the financial news. I haven't, I haven't had, to, had to go with a minute of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. It, it just makes me ill to even have it on with the sound down when I look at the faces of these people oh. who just who just 
it's just despicable in every way to me now. Uh, we're up 38.50 in the S&P's, up 143 in the NASDAQ. Looks like we got a big day going, at least so far. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call. 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Stocks, jocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I like the way it's sparkling here. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Amos. We're at the board. SP Futures up 39. SP Futures up 146. We've been pretty much strong all morning. Every stock in the Dow I've got pre-market is up. The strongest being... Uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, they came out with earnings that, boy, government bond, bond trades were very lucrative. Dan, how the hell do I get involved with doing something with the government? All, everybody's making money does stuff with the government. Well, that's kind of what they seem to be gunning for. I mean, after the lockdowns and, and you know, the, the small businesses just taking pot luck with what was left over, I think the government clearly showed that it wanted to be the big player when it came to payrolls and they, they wanted, you know, their, their fists in everywhere. And, and you know, this has been apparent to me for some time. Uh, the lockdown accelerated it. But, you know, the, the government is the biggest employer. They're the biggest, you know, spender, certainly. Um, and, you know, we're the, the, 
constitution claimed they would have. I was interested when you were talking to Greg earlier about the, you know, the possibility of a constitutional convention. <laughs> I wondered if you wanted to revisit that for a minute. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how. I, I, let's put it this way: my motivation for that is, I don't see. First of all, can, can you were you were very young like me. We were Matt. We were younger than you when uh, con 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 con. con, con. <laughs> And I, I don't see, I can't even imagine how that was ever passed. Especially with the idea, I, mean, I don't know if you heard this before, but hmm. to go to the convention, you had to be elected to go hmm. as, a, as, a, as a delegate. You could never have held any public office before then. They were all fresh people. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot imagine the people then in office voting for that. So when was this, when, when, when was this convention? We were in high school, right, Jim? Wow. It was the 1970. It was this, well. That's when the the new constitution was was finally. So it was like you know, 68, and it was the hundredth anniversary of the 1870 Illinois Convention, which constitution, excuse me, which had developed a reputation for just being a stodgy, poorly worded, you know, ineffective document that nobody paid much attention to. And the idea was to kind of reinvigorate um, a local, you know, effort to make it constitutional rights enshrined for Illinoisans in a way that they were they were not clearly done before. So there, there was it was a very high-minded, you know, altruistic tone to well, all that's of my, it. That's and my then, point. How did it pass? You know, fake d- debates about it in, in high school and U.S. history and stuff about what's going to happen at Con Con. This, this is a hot topic. And when I look back on it, like you, I can't believe anybody ever let that happen. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean and, and you look at what happened in the in the in the 70s, mid-70s, in terms of uh, antitrust regulation. And you, you essentially had this, the CBOE was born with none of the rules that the New York Stock Exchange had. O- open outcry market, no specialists. I mean, it was, it was an incredible change. I mean, how they ever jammed that down the throat of the member firms, I have no idea. And, and you deregulated trucking, you deregulated airlines. All that happened in like a three- or four-year period with, with an amazing uh, connection between some of the then people in office, and the money in office wasn't like it is now, and academia. You know, Chicago was all over the CBOE. I mean, they, I mean, they, they pretty much felt they designed the place. And, uh, and a lot of them did. Hans Stoll and some of those people from over there, uh, they, they, you know, they had all these problems with what they felt in the New York Stock Exchange. No competing specialists. No, uh, you know, they didn't have a... Uh, a customer order book that gave the customer advantage. Uh, the specialist could trade for another, could trade for himself and be a broker on the same day. CBOE, none of that could happen. And all that stuff has been totally reversed now. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you can, you can pay order flow. You can. It's it. All all the principles of trade that went into the CBOE have now been essentially abandoned. And uh, I don't. You wonder when, how how is all of a sudden something like that happen, Jan? I mean. It would be like it would be like saying that. Uh, uh, well, I mean, to, to a certain extent, the the drug companies have the same situation now the airlines used to be because they're never gonna they're never gonna let it, a small firm get anything through the FDA, which is the same as saying you can't have a new airline, pretty much, right? I mean, right. Uh, so it's you, you wonder how all of a sudden something like that actually breaks up. But well, what, I, what I'm saying, John, is we've reached the point where the the the, the people there. Things become obvious. I mean, it's very obvious that Chicago should not have 50 wards. I mean, New York doesn't have 50 wards, for God's sake. But you're never going to get these people 
to, to fire 10 of themselves. I mean, there's just things that are never going to happen. Yet, yet, from time to time in our history, it has happened. I mean, basically, the, the people in, in Springfield said, we're going to come up with something new, and by the way, I'm not going to be a part of it. I, I can't imagine they voted like that. Like that, but they, what was the pressure on them to do that? It had to be something. I think it came out of a, just a general, you know, in the, in the years following Kennedy's assassination, Vietnam, the, the King and Robert Kennedy assassinations, um, this the, you know the switch you know, back to the right with Nixon in '68. Um, the the, the unsettled feel that the country had I mean it's very, very much is, is like the way it feels to me now maybe maybe now is worse but I think p- people felt like they were losing the, the kind of grip that they had always felt was you know securing everything and you know the Kerner report after the, the rise of 68 all these things to turn a spotlight on people there was a lot of soul searching well what what did we do wrong here well, how did we let things get this bad um, there's only so much we can do. We we can't you know change everything that's ha- happening. We can't you you know, like can't get us out of Vietnam, but we can certainly look at our own state and decide well what needs to be fixed here, and maybe it can start there. And it, it was a grassroots kind of driven you know attitude that the things were were seriously broken. And I think you know what what the, the, the 1970 convention fixed or or didn't fix it right now doesn't look like a very important issue to anybody, I don't think. I mean, a, a couple interesting, you know, sections came out of it. You know, I studied it somewhat in law school, and I had a couple professors who really knew the thing and used to talk about it and kind of laugh about it sometimes because of its high-mindedness. Um, but it was a product of its times, and, you know, my fear now, though, Tom, is that if, if, if there were ever any discussion of a constitutional convention to reopen, you know, the 1788 convention, we would lose everything that's good about that Constitution, and we've got a whole lot of other stuff that has no place in it that would wreck the system forever. Well, I, I don't uh, I don't disagree with that, actually. That, that's Kevin's position, too. But I'm, ju- I'm just saying, somehow or other, you, you can't expect the people, you, you can't expect the wolves to, to stop voting to have the hen for breakfast. But I, I don't know, but I guess there's the trick bag we're in. That's the conundrum. I mean, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to open up all that's good about it. I don't know how you do half, but clearly, this idea of influence, in the fact, I mean, from what I see, to be perfectly blunt, I mean, we had, and hopefully, we'll have uh, Keith on again. We had two people on the show that were reps last year. Well, now it's almost two years. I, I heard and I didn't see them. The four young Republicans who had just won that were on Face the Nation or something. I was in the car listening. Uh, they all seem like certainly reasonable people. I don't know if we agreed on everything, but you know who cares. Then the four Democrats, the next week I actually had a chance to watch, uh, same thing. I was very, very impressed with these four freshman people. Two ladies, two guys. Uh, two guys, one guy seemed brilliant, all he looked like Putin. Uh, the one lady, with like two or three tours in Vietnam. The other lady, you know, I don't know what, same thing. Same, I mean, the, the resumes were, were, were incredible, and they were well-spoken. Yet, I never saw any of those eight people again. Uh, you know, all you see are the top five people in the house. Somehow, somehow, something's broken, and whatever was quote intended. I'll be Scalia for a second. 
the idea that there's 435 people going there to make laws, John, that's not happening. So, somehow or another, there, there's, there's a break in the action, and I don't know what it is, but I think it has to do with money and influence in corporations, but I don't know. I and I don't think it's money necessarily coming from people in this country. I think it's foreign money in many cases, or money that's been laundered to hide its origins. Because as I see so much of, of what's happening, you know, the effect of this money being thrown around is so destructive of any kind of harmony on, on any issue. Um, so that you know the regional disputes between states, the, the racial disputes, the gender disputes, the transgender disputes, the gay marriage—all these things have done nothing but unravel the, the few remaining threads that the country kind of held onto for hundreds of years. And now it looks like there's a lot of people who would be just as willing to throw that away and start afresh in, in some kind of Marxist, you know, utopian mode. That you know the, the framers would have been horrified at, but they, but they seem to have lost any of their say in this. I read a, a piece over the weekend that talked about somebody who had gone to the James Madison estate in Virginia. It's not far from Monticello, uh, Montpelier, and this this you know foundation that runs this the Madison's home, you know, beautiful sprawling mansion, um, has been funded now by some Republican operative and has been transformed into as it has nothing to do with Madison's role in the Constitution at all. These people went through the, the whole tour and all the exhibits and everything else and said, yeah, I expected to find something about Madison's and the contribution to the Constitution. It's all about slavery. And Madison's, you know, checkered history with slavery, just like Monticello, the foundation running that place has turned it into you know, a, a snickering attack on Jefferson as being the popular figure he, he never should have been. So when you got people like that inculcating the average visitor just out for a you know day trip outside of Washington, that this is who these people really are, I don't think the Constitution that they helped put together would fare well at all. Because for, for all the things that are broken, we don't have any agreement anymore about what's broken and what needs to be fixed first. And that's why... I worry that any attempt to throw the whole thing open and say, how can we, we, we rebuild this, um, we, will be a complete disaster for us. Well, if you look at this, uh, um, the uh, one of the things that Greg sent us over the weekend that I, I think I, I sent out to you as well, um, the, the amount of uh, uh, wealth is, is, is outstripping uh, GNP is 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 really crazy. I mean, we have this, this wealth bubble. You can see things that are are somewhat wrong here, and and you don't. I, you know, I don't know, Jenny. We we can't be afraid to 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 see what what's working and what's not working. I mean, clearly the influence is such that uh, the regular person can't get anywhere. And I and I don't know how you I don't know how you stop that. I mean, uh, but I, but I I think it. I don't know. I mean, I uh, I wish that there, there, but we can't ignore it either. You know, I don't know how you how you go the other way. What I'm saying is you can't help. Well, I, th- I think the only way you can restore any kind of sanity is you you, you do it in, in, the, in the smallest possible place to start because anything bigger or, or any bigger playing field that, that takes up your interest is just going to exhaust you and and block you and and just frustrate you. Um, so you know, when you got Lightfoot here running on a you know re-election campaign that she wants Chicago to be you know, a fairer and more equitable city. I know that resonates with 
a lot of voters, and she's made sure that you know she hits those buzzwords over and over again. But until people really sit back and and think, well, what does that mean? Well, what kind of a city would this be if it were fairer and more equitable? Would, would people like Lori Lightfoot have a job running the city at all if it were fair? I don't know. Well, the no. the you start talking about what's a. Let's go back real quick. When you talk about the, the Marxist myopia, what I was my train of thought that I lost for a second is that I don't know if you ever do you ever read the book uh, Arm and Hammer by Arm and Hammer. No, no, but I, I remember you know Hammer and you know, <laughs> the stuff was talked about him, but I don't know the book. Um, if if I have it, I'll, I'll, I'll lend it to you. Um, the, the, as soon as they got to the back, you know, the back third of it is about Oxy. You know, and I, to, to be perfectly blunt, I don't give a crap about Oxy. Uh, but I, I care because it's a stock, and, you know, people, most of my people have some. But um, in terms of that part of his history, the first two-thirds of the book is one of the most fascinating period pieces I've ever read. Without, without a doubt, I would recommend it to anybody. He's a, a Jewish kid from uh, New York, and uh, back in, in the horrible, you know, d- days of... Uh, uh, growing up you know, in the twenties in the depression, and his uh, his dad was a doctor. And um, now during the depression, all you had to do was look around. And when you say this Marxist view of the world, people looked around then, and they said, "Whatever we got going here ain't doing so hot. Maybe these other political systems might actually be better or not because ours wasn't working." Was it? <laughs> I'm thinking no. Uh, so his dad went to a couple of these Marxist rallies. He never was convinced by them that that's what he wanted to do. He just went to hear what they had to say. Well, somebody picked up by the fact that he went to one of these things or two. And like I said, this is a selective enforcement. And somehow or another, he went to somebody's house, and there was a, uh, a, a birth of some kind, and I don't know what happened. A lady had a miscarriage or something along those lines, and they, they had their eye on him. And they jumped on him and basically put him in jail for doing an abortion. So he was in upstate New York in some prison. So the kid decided, who, who actually had made Arm and Hammer, he actually made a lot of money before that by being in the farm in the pharmacy business, and his product was tincture of ginger, which essentially is, is an alcohol-based <laughs> ginger product. Or ginger turned into alcohol. I don't know what happened, but you know, in your speakeasies, a lot of them were the drugstores. Because all you had to do was add ginger ale to the stuff, and you had a highball. So he made like a real lot of dough, and then that, you know, when they when they uh, that kind of broke up, they found out that there was too much alcohol, so they stopped that. Well, he ends up he doesn't want to go see the old man every weekend, so he goes to Russia and gets on a train. Now he had trained to be a doctor, and hence the name Doctor Arm and Hammer, and he had his medical degree and everything. So he goes over there, and one guy he once he goes to get on a train and talk about the period piece. Oh, you had to buy your own candle. There was no light on the train in Russia. Your own food, you better get it because there's nothing on there. And all this, you got your own toilet paper, uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, he gets on the train and somebody says, well, you know, I've got this asbestos business. Why don't you come take a look at this? And from that day on, he became a, a businessman and not a doctor. And I never, which I guess he never really wanted to be anyway. So he ends, it would, but the period piece was growing up in New York at the time, he said the places were so hot, you know, a flat, flat roof buildings, if you've never been in one before air conditioning, like I'm sure you and I have, Johnny, it's hotter at night. Well, but it gets hotter at night because, 
because the, the hot air gets in the attic and it actually will heat up the whole rest of the place at night. He said they would sleep on the fire escape. Every kid had a stair and the parents had the, plat- the uh, platform. Can you imagine sleeping on a fire escape like 20 stories off the ground in the summertime just because you can't stay inside? I don't know how much sleep I get. It would take a while to get used to it, I'll say that. But, uh, you know, it was how brutal it was in New York. And it was just, the world basically sucked. And, and now when you look at some of these charts, and you look at what, you know, uh, and you see a few people, or all of them are arguing about abortion and everything, but not that these aren't serious issues, they are. But some people are grabbing all the dough. It is constant concentration, constant concentration. And, uh, you know, I, I see it. I don't know what to do about it, Jen. I don't, I don't even know where to start to, to stop it. But somewhere, someplace, uh, like you've mentioned, and we've all sort of, everybody on the show sort of mentions the same, there needs to be, I don't know who it would be, if, if, you, if you put somebody in from outer space in the, in the Oval Office that was all seeing, I would bet you in six months there would be a day, and I can't even imagine this in this country, there would be a day when you sent out police and you arrested like 3,000 people that were just crooks. Up and down government, up and down business. We we you'd show up and you know pick a company, whereas you know the board were you know the Commonwealth Edison board. You don't just put Madigan in jail, you put the whole board in jail, or you or you say you can never be a board member again, and and you take five people, you know the top five rungs of the place, and you put them out of jail and you auction their stuff up to somebody else. I mean, I'm not saying Commonwealth Edison. I'm just somebody somewhere. Everybody has this feeling that this is going on. Everybody has it. I mean, it's not just me. And, it, and, and these people just keep going un, undeterred, undeterred. I don't know, Dan. I, I don't want to see it. I wouldn't be the guy who wanted to do that. I don't want to go arrest everybody. But to me, something's wrong somewhere, and it, it smells, and it's, and it's smelling more. Is, or am I just being grumpy? No, the, you know, and you, you talk about what was happening you know, in, the, in the 30s. My, my dad always said that that was the closest he ever wanted to be. He didn't want to be close to one at all, but it was the closest he ever thought the country was to a revolution. Uh, and a Marxist revolution, because everything else seemed to have flopped, and nobody else had these solutions. And, you know, there, there were people who were calling for a, a fascist revolt, and you had people like John W. Davis, who had been, I think, the Democratic Party chairman. I think he ran for president in 1924, vice president. You had Irene DuPont, who owned DuPont Industries. You had a whole bunch of people who were, Al Smith even by this point, had gotten soured on the Democrats. Well, you had a knucklehead Tribune. The Colonel they were plan, planning a coup against FDR to install a fascist regime, you know, that mimicked Mussolini's and, and Hitler's. And Joe Kennedy kind of probably was in this camp, although he never published. Oh, sure he was. So. Sure he was. But but when this was uncovered by you know the, the brave whistleblowing of a you know ex-marine, Smedley Butler, who was talking to all these people and then took all this stuff to Congress and said, "Look at what these crooks are doing." Um, they had a you know in congressional investigation in the House, the McCormick Dickerstein, you know committee that surveyed all this stuff. Never really made a public report, and nobody ever was charged. And instead, you know, like two months later, FDR's son married one of the du- Dupont daughters. <laughs> I, mean, I thought, well, you know, I guess this is how you resolve the things when they reach this kind of a point. No, everybody, the whole thing should have been cleaned out. Everybody should have been exposed who was in on this. If, if there was any kind of, you know, desire to put... The, the country would not have stood then for a fascist revolution. I mean, maybe it would have been more sympathetic to a Marxist one at that point, but not a fascist one. 
yet nobody paid a price. You know, people barely even know about the thing anymore. So I don't, I don't think it will ever happen with mass arrests. I don't think it's ever going to happen with show trials of the Pelosi's or anything like that, or the Clintons. Or it, you know, it hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It can only happen when you have people emboldened who have nothing to lose in the little domains that they feel they've got some say in. And they're among like people thinking, and they stand apart from what's going on at the top because there's no way they would they want to get them involved. They don't trust them. They, they know they'd rather you know be put out of business completely by the higher ups, and they can't muscle those people out. But uh, it's going to take a lot of smaller entities, whether it's cities, townships, states. Well, you know, it was uh, you mentioned the the fascist piece. I was uh, I don't know where the hell I was on, on YouTube, and of uh, I don't think it was YouTube. It must have been a History Channel. And they, this, I don't know, this is years ago. Well, they, they did it. I mean, it's an older film. But they were asking these four people in Germany, uh, you know, two of them were high army officials and two of them were something else, about what attraction, you know, Hitler had for the German people. You know, when did he get in? 32. And, and the one guy said, hey, face it. If, if the man would have been assassinated the day before he decided to, to invade Poland, to this day, he'd be considered the greatest, the greatest chief executive or leader in the 20th century. From what he did to Germany, from the, the day he got in to, 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 to he started being Hitler and doing all this crap and ended up being, you know, whatever the crazy man he was, he goes, they, they, they came out of the, of the Depression ten times faster than anybody in Europe, way faster than the United States. I mean, it was, there was no comparison to how, how, how quick their economy jump from 1932 to 33 to 1939. That if somebody would have bumped him off <laughs> a week before the, the, the war started, uh, he, would, he would have been a legend to this day. And, you know, I, you know, I, I started reading about that stuff. They, they turned that bus around a lot quicker than we did, John. I mean, there, there was reason well, for people Italy who... Italy too, Tom. Yeah. I mean, Italy came out of World War One pretty humiliated. I mean, they had switched sides. They, 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 had, they had horrific losses and, you know, governments in turmoil and Marx, Marxist revolts, you know, throughout Italy and, and you know, little fiefdoms being set up with experimental governments, Mussolini came in, you know, with, with the widespread support, not just in Italy, but in this country, too. You had acad- academians, you had politicians, you know, he was being wined and dined and fated and, and you know, he seemed to have all the answers to turn a country around that it had been well here in this country though for, for centuries in this country though if you get somebody who can buy something from you we love them you know you mentioned uh, earlier I don't know if you've forgotten you did I doubt if you did <laughs> we only got a couple of minutes you look you look at the situation with uh, uh, our former governor he just got out of jail tells his name Lagoyevich huh? and you look at the Elliot Spitzer situations Lagoyevich you know I was never a fan <laughs> Guy was kind of a sleaze bag, but or seeming to, like he was. Uh, I got no problem with with you know whatever holding him up as somebody trying to you know get money for a seat, which they all do. But it, I read somewhere, John, that for like a period of years, it was eighty percent of seventy five percent of the resources the FBI had in this area were going after him. And this is kind of the same time that. Uh, the banks and everybody, the internet was getting started and all these kinds of things, and yet the, the FBI pretty much totally abdicated going after online bank crooks, all those kinds of things. I don't know if i take that trade. I mean, and, and Elliot Spitzer, they just thought that guy might actually be a political threat someday, 
and he was he's, he was brilliant. Right. He, and, and, uh, they couldn't wait to bring him down. They couldn't. They, 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 and I, I don't. Know. The Blagojevich machinations with the with the Senate seat. I mean, people seem to forget that this, the worst calls that were released about that were the ones between Blagojevich and J.B. Pritzker. Yeah. And Pritzker has paid no political price for the for the. I would say racist stuff, not to throw labels around, but the things he said on on tape, and the the double dealing. I mean, he was he was as big a conniver or more in those conversations than Blagojevich was. Yes. Because he had money and he had influence, and Blagojevich knew that. And Pritzker's now our, our governor. Uh, go figure. And Pritzker would never go anywhere because he was totally been totally, you know. He's, de- he's de- not de- like the president, Tom. You wait. Well, I, I, you know what, I, uh, I, I don't like what he did with the with the with the, with the hookers and stuff. But uh, tell you what, well, I, I'll take him down to, to Pritzker. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd like to see Pritzker get out of Illinois as fast as possible, even if he has to go to Washington to run for the White House. I certainly don't want him to see him as president, but I can't stand having him as a governor. <laughs> well, we don't seem to have anybody in the, in the, in the pack either. Nope, SP nope. Futures up 25. We're leaking a little bit, but we're still up strong. As if Futures up 98. Uh, we'll be right back with uh, Miss Audrey Johnson talking about real estate and what's going on in her world. Uh, should be fun. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. You can't handle the truth. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stash and Jacks. Time to my own, Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SV Peters up 28 and the SV Peters up 110. Very strong opening, although we were up 40, uh, so we're coming back a little bit, but still pretty strong. Uh, Dow Futures up 261 over in Europe. Rallies across the board here. Maybe a little less than a little while ago, but still pretty strong. DAX up 141, 1.1%. FTSE up 79, 1.1%. CAC around up 63, 1.06%. That was up, I'm going to say 1.4% a little while ago, but still, still strong. Uh, Asia. Kneecap 145.5%, Shanghai up 50, 155, 1.55%. Hang Seng up 548, 2.7% after just being down last week. So Hang Seng continues to go violently between 20,000 and about 21.5, back and forth, back and forth. 2% pretty much almost every day. Uh, and Friday had a big rally. Dop 658, S&P up 72, NASDAQ up 201. Uh, we had a nice day because we had uh, get some rolls done on Thursday and uh, we were pretty long. I don't know if we're as long today, but we're still a little long, I think. Uh, Ten-year up five basis points, 2.98. The Bund up 10 basis points, 1.23. Japan down one basis point, 0.23. Oil, rally in oil, up 222, but still under 100 bucks, 99.81. A Brent up 268, 103.84. Natural gas up 20 cents, 7.22. We've got gold up 8.70, uh, 0.51. We've got silver up 14 cents, 18.74. Copper up 8 cents, 3.32. Um, we've got uh, crypto up 1,037 to 22,0068. Haven't seen it over 22,000 in a while. Uh, so that's pretty solid there. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports. Yeah, good morning. It's currently 7.35 a.m. on Monday, July 18th, 2022. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs take on Mets, uh, break their losing streak, winning 3-2. White Sox at Twin City, a White Sox win 11-0. Diamondbacks away at San Diego Padres, Diamondbacks win 3-1. Now for uh, in golf, the 2022 British Open yesterday. Uh, currently in first place, Cameron Smith of Aust- uh, Australia. I almost said Aust- Austria. Australia and Austria, two yeah. very different places. Yes. <laughs> uh, a score of negative 20 and a total earning of $2,500,000. Wow. Uh, in second place, Cameron Young of the USA, a score of 19, a negative 19, and uh, earnings of $1,455,000. Wow. And uh, uh, Roy McElroy. Uh, Rory McElroy. Rory uh, McElroy. Rory McElroy. I'm an I'm an Irishman. I should know that. He's from the north. Oh, yeah, that explains it. Yeah. Uh, negative 18, uh, earnings of 933000 Ah, Pretty good. Pretty good. Lots of good money. If you want to get good money, guess guess golf is the thing. Well, yeah, if you win. Exactly. That, that's the thing, if you win. Anyway. Well, it's, the only, it's the only sport where if you, if you show up and miss the cut, you get, you get nothing and like it. Yeah, I suppose so. All right, well, weather uh, in Chicago currently very sunny. A humidity of 89 deg- uh, 89%, uh, 71 degrees currently, a high of 87, and a low of 70. In Phoenix, earlier rain is on its way out, uh, currently cloudy, 83 degrees, a high of 107, and a low of 83. Now for traffic in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to downtown. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Laramie Avenue and 1st Avenue. 
Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland Avenue and Lawrence Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and Harlem Avenue. Uh, traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 47th Street uh, to the Jane Byrne Interchange. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Kedzie Avenue. And finally, traffic northbound on the Lakeshore between East 18th Drive to Ur Randolph Street. That's all we got, Chief. Just to give you a, a clue on the British Open, they used to pay like pay like nothing. I mean, uh, mm. to perfect, be perfectly blunt, Arnie, Arnie Palmer, well, he, he didn't make the British Open. The British Open was around, it was 150-year anniversary yesterday. So it's been, you know, the Open like forever. But back in the in the, it was the 50s, early 60s, uh, Palmer said, you, you, you can't say you, you won all golf tournaments or something until you went over and played the British Open. So he he led the way over there, and he won it a couple times. And uh, he pretty much, you know, for, for big money, he created the, the British Open. I think the first year he won, it was like 1500 bucks or something. It was the, wow. Or somewhere, 2500 was in the back. And I the, uh, those guys would go over and, you know, some of the places... Or they have days where it's so cold, you know, two, three pairs of socks, two sweaters, that kind of thing. And this, uh, this, this thing this weekend with uh, being dry and, and, and no wind and stuff. I mean, it's just a, it, it's very unusual um, for the uh, for the uh, British Open. A, a, uh, we don't seem to have we don't have Audrey yet, and we'll see if she calls in. No, yeah, you know we actually, we can give Nancy a call if you'd like. Uh, Audrey's not soon to yeah, uh, yeah, up give, at this hour. Yeah, give Nancy a bus. And, uh, uh, sounds good. Because I have something here. This is a. Uh, I don't know. First, when, when you when you when you criticize policy, mm-hmm. um, the you know you it's you never really know the whole story, so it's kind of uh, hard to do that. But by the same token, you look at some of the stuff that that happens, and you you look at our, our sanctions against the Russians, and uh, not ours, the entire Western Europe, and clearly what's going on in Ukraine. Matter of fact, I just got an, uh, an e email from our, our girl Angelica. With a story about what's happening in her city, apparently the Russians are good news. Bla- I hope. Bla- well, no, no, the Russians oh. are blasting her her city, and uh, and she's you know obviously she's a favorite of the show, friend of mine, um, and you know it's just horrible. But now, when you sit there and you've got sanctions, and at the end of the day, the Russian oil revenue is like higher than when you started. When the ruble is stronger than when you started, you really have to wonder. I mean, if, if you're in the Oval Office, you got to call your people in and say. Guys, are we doing this right? I mean, it's not like people tried to make mistakes or whatever, but we get this uh, tweet here from, uh, and again, I'm not a tweet guy, but uh, from a guy named Fabian Wintersberger. It says, now, now, of course, I think most people should know that. Uh, hey, Nancy, how are you? Good, how are you? All right, I think your friend's snoozing or something. Um, I have no idea. This doesn't sound like her. No, it doesn't. But uh, who knows? Maybe she, she might be out showing a house. Well, that could be. You heard that could be. You heard the story yesterday, didn't you? What? What? No, I didn't hear what happened yesterday. Oh God! This is uh, I'm here talking about Russian oil, but we got to. So Audrey, uh, you know, she's you know working working hard, and as is Nancy, and trying to get people in their houses before, if and when the economy decides to fall apart. Hopefully, it doesn't. Um, she went to some place and they're watering through the place going, God, what's the smell in here? <laughs> they go out the back door, they got some guys, evidently a couple of raccoons snuck under the back porch and died or something. Oh. So somehow oh, no. they must have had one of the windows open in the back or the door open in the back and the smell from the raccoons is coming to the house and Audrey's going, how the hell? 
get the windows closed. You can't be, you can't be showing the house smelling like dead raccoons. <laughs> Why not? And then, and then, it's an added bonus. Well, and then the, the one lady who's her, her buyer, I don't even know her name, so she'll go nameless. Talk about people that are that are tough. Matt, this lady is, uh, she's came out, she, she's looking for a house in the worst way. She went to look at a house a second time. Then she was heading to the airport to pick up her mother, and then she was going to hospital, and they were going to induce labor. How's that for a long day? Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, my. Oh, she's the one that wanted to find a house in one. And she had a, um, that's right. She had an appointment with someone who was um, going to have a baby later in the day. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. You know, some people are, are, are made of sturdy stuff. <laughs> that, that's why I still have this hope of America. We hear stuff like that. You know, maybe, maybe there's still hope for us or something. What a, what a, <laughs> and, she, and Audrey says she's the nicest, calmest, smartest. God, where did that guy find her, for God's sake? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> hope, he, hope he's happy with what he has. Sounds like he's got a gem, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah, he? it does. Anybody that, oh, by the way, honey, on the way to the hospital, can we can we just stop and look at a house because we need to get one now? <laughs> God. Well, let's go pick my mother up so you got some help when I come home. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, and they have a, they have a one bedroom. No, yeah, they have. This is their second child, and they're in a um, uh, one bedroom apartment. So there you go. She's saying that she needs a house, and she knows that she needs a nest. And, uh, yes, that is correct. So, so what's uh? So she didn't. She didn't think the raccoons would be good for the kids. Uh, well, I think when, they, when they got them out of there. Well, evidently they 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 think they got into some poison and were underneath the porch and died, or who the hell knows? But. Um, it's better than the one place she showed where he, where the guy say he, he couldn't find Rosie and whose Rosie was his python and they all, they all scattered out the front door. Nobody wanted to be in a house with a python running around. <laughs> you mean some of the some you tell you what it's, when she tells me these stories it's kind of it's hilarious. I mean it's uh, I mean people are people are kind of weird but uh, anyway. So just before you came out I was just reading this thing about uh, about our sanctions and, and I know you like to talk a little bit of politics too that the uh, Saudi, just, just so everybody knows, in, in this day and age, uh, chemical and DNA and those kinds of things get pretty damn good. I mean, if you went, and uh, my buddy used to be part of one of these marijuana places, if you went in and you, not me or Nancy or, or Matt, but some people could go in and grab a, a piece of the hooch, put it under well, I don't know, a microscope, you probably put it in a mass spec or something, and they could tell you all the way back, they could trace it to the plant, Wherever it was grown in one of these special growing marijuana places, you could do the same thing with oil. I mean, if the right person can put it under—I won't say a microscope, show my age—but uh, can tell you exactly where it came from, because oil has all kinds of signature pieces from parts of the world, how much sand and the type of whatever. So, if you really want to stop Russian oil, I mean, I don't think we here have the, the stones at all that if a Russian oil oil where somebody dipped his little needle in there and said this looks like Russian oil. I don't think we're sending it back. I don't think we're we're putting a guy in jail who got it here. I don't think we're doing any of those things. Nancy. We never will, but according to this guy Saudi Arabia has doubled quarter to Russian fuel oil imports for power generation so that they, they can double the amount of oil that they send to other people at the, at the regular... So they're buying a Russian oil at a discount turn around and selling their oil all, all their oil to other people for at the high price. Isn't the, isn't the world well, great? That's not right. What well, is if you're Saudi Arabia? It sounds good to me. If you're not cheating, you're not winning, right? You're not trying hard enough? Well, 
Oh my goodness. That's, I, just, that's just an I, awful story. I just, you know, it doesn't surprise me though. Does it you? I mean, it's, you know. What, what? I don't know. I, 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 boy, oh boy, oh boy. Why, why, what I mean, what, what would possess anybody to trust these people? I mean, I, mean, oh. I, I wouldn't. I have no idea if you're telling me this. I just. Anyway, so, hey, you know, when you and Otter have been talking, I've been, I've been listening, because when you guys talk, I mean, I just try and learn. With all the, I won't say crazy stuff, but unusual market activity of the last year or so, when people are, you know, you know, 15 bids on a house, and they'll say offers, but I'll say bids from the our side of the fence. Uh, but on a house, and people are doing this and that, and, and people are coming in already approved or cash offers or anything. Is any any anybody coming in with a FHA or VA have a chance of buying a house these days? You know, that's an interesting question because I just had uh, someone call me about a VA bid, and they said we absolutely won't take VA. And to tell you the truth, well, first of all, that's illegal. But second of all, and, and when you have, I guess, like twenty offers in front of you, you can really choose, but. VA is 100% insured for the most part, so I don't understand why they would not do that. I mean, you can borrow 100% on a VA loan, so it kind of works out well for the, the buyer because how do they, you know, something big hits them for them to get disqualified. So I, I didn't quite understand that. And FHA, people just have this... Um, it's a fact and then it's somewhat of a myth where they kind of mix together where FHA is extremely difficult to do and get and all of that and it's it's not anymore I mean it's we just send out a regular appraiser we we ask for an FHA appraisal Um, FHA has a few things like they don't want to see peeled paint they do not want to see people uh, they have to have the um, um, I want to say RFID, the, um, the outlets that you're supposed to have in there. I mean, everybody's going to want that. Where if it's near water, where you have the switch that'll pop off. And that you have to have a railing. It has to be safe if you're going down the stairs. There has to at least be a railing on one side. That's not all that much to ask for in buying a home. But they do kick them out. Um, because it's an FHA offer. I think the biggest problem is that people really aren't qualified on FHA offers. They haven't been run through the automated underwriting system. And if you haven't seen the paperwork and you're just going to people's word, that's not a very good pre-approval. So they kind of get, you know, they do get time to get kicked to the side. Well, it's if, if people, uh, I guess what all the, the rules there are, and, and I'm not saying the rules are wrong, because, I mean, I think we all want to treat everybody alike. Uh, when somebody comes in and, and pays the offer and says, you know, I got cash, and by the way, here it is, and maybe I'll even waive the inspection, they just, you you have the right to, to grab that one and basically kick everybody else to the curb, right? Yeah, correct. correct. So there's no... Just a year ago, if somebody offered you full price, you had to take it. Now it's like everybody offers full price and more, so you have a variety of, you know, just a, a variety of applications to choose from and then you have to start sorting through so if someone offers you cash you know that's going to close well coming from so, somebody on the trading side of the world this is all this is all bizarre world to me 
what, what you and Audrey do with this stuff. I mean, if I mean, at, a, at a trading floor, if somebody were to say, uh, if I walk into a, you know, I mean, if, if it's a crowd that it's not my crowd, when I say crowd, most of the people stayed in the same same crowd, you know, they were stuck there like glue. I know it was in the OEX, I was in the exact same spot for 20 years. Uh, you know, that was my spot. I mean, if anybody, well, I shared a spot with a guy, but uh, I mean, the thought of me standing somewhere else, I'd have been like off my perch, I'd have been like a bird in the wrong spot. Uh, but if somebody were to, if I were to say, uh, you know, 50s, where are you guys? Quarter three eighths, all right, I'll buy 10. I, I mean, I to me, I just bought 10. The guy offered him, I'll sell you 10 at three eighths, so I bought him, that, that's a trade. The guy didn't say, oh no, no. Now, now that now that you want to pay three eighths, I'll hang here a while to see if somebody pays seven sixteenths. I mean, the thought of that wouldn't even cross my mind as a trader. So, if I walked into your house, which is very nice, and I say, "How much you want for the place? Two sixty. Okay, I'll pay you two sixty. To me, we got a deal. And yet, obviously, in the real estate world, we don't necessarily have a deal. I, when when did that change? I, why can't you and I just make a deal? Oh no! If you're dumb enough to pay two sixty, sure seems to me like, like I, I got a too low price. Let's give it the weekend to see if everybody pays more. I turn around and walk right out. I, I, I have no interest in that. If I'm being a trader for as long as I've been, when did that all start, Nancy? To me, to me, that's crazy. Well, people started it um, a while ago, but you gotta remember, um, it, let's say this scenario just happened, okay, and you were dealing with me directly. I would just say, okay, fine, we have a deal. But the real estate agents are saying, hey, you might as well wait for all the offers to come in, and then everyone gets told highest and best, and then everyone has to reconsider what they submitted. And that's when you're starting to see all these crazy things happen. It's like, well, I'll waive a home inspection, I'll waive the appraisal. If it, if it, And by waiving the appraisal, they're saying if the house comes in it, Two twenty. I'm going to give you an extra thirty thousand before I put my twenty percent down, or whatever I'm going to put down. So when all those things start happening, happening, you know, so this this low supply and demand, people are just going way over, and that's when it started. And they just feel you'd be foolish if you pass up these offers. But it's no longer a deal as a deal. Yeah, I'm not. Uh I'm not sort of big on that. The um, I did some. Uh, I mean, I was never an agent of any kind. But the thing that you're, you're familiar with, Trump's doing with this. Uh, not Trump. Why do I keep? Why do I keep confusing Trump with Musk? I don't know. Maybe because they got the same sort of face. Uh, what this, this thing, deal Musk is doing with Twitter, where I'll pay this, and then all of a sudden he, you know, he checks the place out and and doesn't want it. I, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't have a deal here, but I connected two people. One of my south side. Acquaintances of one of my north side acquaintances, very different, shall we say, very different ethnic background, shall we say, Nance. And uh, there's the, shall we say, the south side school of real estate, which I had not heard of at all, where you just, you know, you put the court yard building out there at, say, you know, 800,000 bucks. And all of a sudden you get something back, not me, but the person who called me up said, these guys signed a contract for 800,000. Well, that was quick. <laughs> Did they even look at it? You know. Well, the answer is no, they didn't. And then they go out and they, they look at it and say, Ah, man, you got you need four new porches. Make that eight hundred thousand. Make it like five hundred thousand or something. I mean, there's no such thing as a deal. I mean, in, in my business, of course, 
that's that's crazy. I mean, a, a, a trade's a trade. I mean, if you once you get off that sort of, or trade's not a trade, now you can only imagine the mayhem in our business. And that there's never there never is a trade, you know. And, and that's the same thing. But is it, how is that? Shall we say that in in certain neighborhoods, or is that all over the place now? Where an offer, offer a listing price isn't really a listing price, a bid isn't really a bid. I mean, you you go through the inspection and you can find, oh man. This one toilet doesn't work. It looks like I'm out, you know, type of thing. When did this all start? Or is this just been I'm creeping, creeping, creeping? It's creeping. It's been creeping. And I think that it's just because of the supply and demand problem, it's gotten um, more ludicrous. Like, we had a, Audrey and I had a house sell, in, or a bid. It was accepted. Everything was fine. They went through the inspection, and they sent a four-page you know, so there must have been, what, 50 different things they found wrong with the house. But you have to understand, when you look at this list, you say to yourself, oh, my God. I mean, it was acceptable when you were out in front. I mean, when you looked at the house and you submitted the bid, and then you say, well, I want all the brick washed. I want um, the whole house um, completely, uh, I want it all the uh, cement brought back to um, its original color. It, it's not an acceptable um, house inspection. I mean, you saw the house when you were there. Did you really expect someone was going to be able to bring the brick back to its original color? It's, it's 60 years old. So those are really offers that, that screw up everybody else because other offers may have gone in at the same time and this person didn't have good intentions to begin with. Well, for I mean, when you're handing in that kind of a list, I can understand if you if the home inspector finds, um, let's say, radon in the basement. You do a radon test, they find it. That's something the homeowner didn't have a clue it needs to be repaired. You're absolutely right. But you can't have people to be washing bricks and, um, uh, you know, I see a little uh, chip in the window. You, you knew that when you saw it to begin with. Well, people don't, the idea that... Uh we're not, how can I use this term? Southside guys, and again, I'm not disparaging anybody else, but if I went, of course, I, was, I used to remodel homes, so I know a little bit more about it. Still, so I'd walk in there. If I didn't like the paint color, that was kind of on me. I mean, your inspector was, I'm not going to ask the person to go in the attic. I'm not going to ask the person to, to to pull you know some of the, the uh, outlets out of the wall to see if the wiring's any good. I mean, that's what you have an inspection for, and so that's what you should hear. God, the 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 roof. Uh, it looks like three or four of the roof the roof trusses kind of missed the heel or some or missed. Well, that that's something you would never pick up. That's why you have an inspector. But you really don't want right. the inspector to come back. Oh man, it looks to me like that that sink is orange in that one bathroom. You got to change it. Well, I saw that before I put the bid in, and it it seems like right. And that's that's what you're seeing. I mean, that this you've got all these crazy things going on. Another one I saw was um, the water heater. Uh, is 10 years old, replaced. Furnace and air conditioner is 12 years old, end of life, replaced. But you saw that when you were there. Well, since when is it, if you got to replace something after 12 years, most of them go 25. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, as long as they're in working order, that's not what the inspection is supposed to be about. Right. So you've got all this craziness going on, and it isn't, it isn't one-sided. It's on both sides of the board. So there, in that case, the buyer, uh, the seller, well, she had a deal, and all of a sudden you get handed this, and I remember the, the um, and I was 
financing the um, uh, seller to leave. You know, he had already purchased something else. And I just told the best thing you could do with that bid is just say, okay, fine, I'm not responding. You know, I'm responding with I'm out. Because yeah. there's no way you're going to please anyone. Who's to say if you wash the brick and it still wasn't to the right? Let's say you power wash the brick and did everything you could in good times, really. And then the next thing you know, the guy says, well, it isn't good enough. What kind of deal did you have anyway? Well, you, you used too high of a pressure. Now you got a tuck pointed. <laughs> <Yep>. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. So I said, the best thing you can do is leave. He goes, but I need the money for the next sale. And I said, then we have to figure that out. I have to figure out a way to refinance you so you can buy the house, and then you just take it, you know, we put it back off and you, you get another offer. Well, so it only takes one person to actually buy it, so it, that changes, you know, how you feel. But here, here's a man who, in good faith, thought he had a deal, and then, you know, through a series of, you know, sanctions, we need more time, we need more time with our inspector, da 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 da, and he's granting it to find out that. It's going to turn out to be all this. So instead, I just found a different way to finance for me, and he got out of it. You know, he got out of that. He bought a house, and then he put it back up, and it sold like ten days later. When I bought my place in Beverly years and years ago, investors did such a horrible. He inspected such a horrible job. I honestly think, well, how can I say this? I didn't want to go over there because the lady was like really weird. She'd always like show up in like hot pants and stuff because the husband was always out of town. So I didn't want to go back and even look at the place again. That's why they hired the inspector. I think mm-hmm. I think she must have, uh, shall we say, entertained the inspector because the guy didn't look at anything. <laughs> 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 he said everything was fine. I took off one one electrical thing in the ceiling. All the all the wires came down, and, and all the, all the all the insulation came off. I had to rewire the whole place. His attention it, was elsewhere. Yeah, his attention was elsewhere. I think uh, I don't think you get away with that today. But uh, what the, is the is pe- people? Audrey's still busy. I mean, you're doing a lot of her, her mortgage work. Uh, I know you said last week that the refis are dead. The people are still buying and selling. Mostly, it seems like they're all trading houses. Are you getting a lot of first time buyers or not? No, they've had my fair share. I mean, a first-time buyer is now defined as anyone who hasn't owned the home in three years. I'm getting new people that are saying, my landlord's raising my rent from, you know, maybe ten uh, fifty a month to $1,600. Oh, yeah, that's happening all over. And I tell people, if you can afford to do that, then we have to, you know, we should try and find a way to find you something and get you into something because for $1,600 a month, I mean, anybody should be able to make that in a mortgage payment. Well, plus if yeah. you're if you're uh, sixteen hundred, they want you to be at only thirty percent of your salary. They put you up. You better be making what uh, almost five grand a month. That's a lot. And, and these people are not. They no, can't afford that. So um, actually, I've been getting phone calls like that and, and getting those people into something else. And again, remember those people only have maybe two months. All right, that's and Nancy, how can, how can everybody find you? What's your shameless plug? Because we got to go. What do you got? What's your Okay, um, my name is Nancy Long Graham. I'm at Nancy Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, at go, G-O-A-P-M-C dot com. Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Notice how the Nancy's into the new world, man. Not even a phone number. Just at, at this, at that. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. 341 Thank you. There you go. That's a few up 30. That's a few up 114. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. Thank you.
Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. I think you just became my personal hero.